This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Shalom Aleichem, Ruchim Abam to the National Agra de Perkashir. Baruch Haba. We have a very important topic today, Nogea to Parshas Boy. Before we begin, I hope everybody uh, got a hold of the new Sefer on Shemois, Magad Harakia on Shemois, which is now available. You could get it on our site, rabbidg.com. You could get it in better Svarim stores in your neighborhood. Now, uh, Tu B'Shvat is coming up. Today is Rosh Chodesh Shvat. And if you want to read a little bit about Tu B'Shvat, you could get the Sefer, the Light and the Splendor on Hanukkah and Tu B'Shvat. There's a special section on Tu B'Shvat in the Sefer. Okay, so here's the million dollar question for today. Very important question. We have a tradition that that the Jewish people cannot delay and they did not have provisions. What is this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu how to, how to send, get us out immediately? We even say in the Haggadah, We would somehow still be enslaved to Paray. That is quite uh, curious. Really, would we really be still enslaved to Paray? Don't empires rise and fall? I mean, that's the nature of uh, the powers of the world. No world power remains uh, forever or for a long duration. So, and yet there's this idea, By the way, if anybody would like to be Mishtatev in the upcoming Haggadah, in English for our scroll, please uh, contact us. Um, it's uh, going to print very soon, Bezos Hashem. So what is this idea that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to redeem us immediately. And v'lo yachlu It's interesting that we have a tradition from the Arizal, it's even quoted by Beis HaLevi, that Klal Yisrael in Egypt, we were on a very low level. We were on what is called the uh, Memtes Shari Tumah. And had we remained there a moment longer, we would have fallen to what is proverbially known as the point of no return. If you look at number 7, the Beis Halevi in this week's parasha, he brings in the name of the Ari, that if we would have remained in Mitzrayim, we would have entered the 50th level of Tumah, and we never ever would have been redeemed. And the question is, what exactly is this 50th level of Tumah? Is there something called the 50th level of Tumah that we can never get out of? Does that really exist? Why is there a point of no return? I thought the Rambam tells us the gates of Tshuva are never locked. Doesn't the Rambam tell us that the, the Shari Tshuva Lainina Lula Oilam, they're never locked? Don't the Svarim teach us that when Kalmasha Omer Balabayis Asei, Whatever the master tells you do, unless he tells you say leave, and the Shlach Hakadosh interprets whatever the Rebbeinu tells you you do, unless he tells you say get lost, you can't do tshuva because anyone could do tshuva. Why did Acher go off the derech? He heard a bas call 
that said, Shuvu vanim shayvavim chutzmei acher. But Acher should have known that you always listen to God unless He tells you you can't do tshuva. Because if the Yavon says you can't do tshuva, then you taka, you don't listen to Him. So what exactly is this, uh, what exactly is, um, what exactly is this idea that Komasha Amalacha Balabayis Asei Chutzmitzei? Why? Why? Now, what is this, what is this idea, excuse me, that if the Rebunish Shalalam um, had not redeemed us, immediately we would have fallen to the point of no return. What is this point of no return? There's no point of no return. We know we have this tradition that we have three Yamim Taivim. We have Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. And the tour brings that he heard from his brother, Rabbi Yehuda, that the three Yamim Taivim correspond to the three Avais. Pesach is connected Avraham. Shavuos is connected Yitzchak because the Tkiah Shoifer of Matan Torah was from the Isle of Yitzchak. And Sukkot is connected Yaakov, like the Pasuk says, V'lemekneu, Asa Sukkot. Why is Pesach connected Avraham Avinu? Just because Avraham Avinu made, said, Lushi Vasi Ugois on Pesach? Why is the Yomtif of Pesach connected Avraham Avinu? In other words, it seems like there's a special connection between Avraham Avinu and Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. How did Avraham Avinu, in what way was he connected to the Exodus more than any of the other Avais? Now, this is very difficult, this is very interesting. In what merit did the Jewish people leave Mitzrayim? We have a Medrash in Vayikra Rabbah, Rav Huna in number 3, B'Shem Bar Kapara, B'Shvel Arba Dvarim Nigalu Yisomi Mitzrayim. That the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt because of four things. What were they? Shalashinu Hashemam, we didn't change our name. V'Eslashaynam, we didn't change our language. V'Lay Amru Lashen Hara, and we didn't speak Lashen Hara. We didn't find any of them that were lowly and debased in illicit relations. Now, number three and number four I get. Lashon Hara is the cardinal sin. The Gemara says, Lamech Shaka Lashon Hara Keneged Avodazara Gil Arayis Shvichas Damim. And Arayis, of course, is certainly one of the three cardinal sins. But what is the big deal that they didn't change their name? Who cares that they didn't change their name? Where does it say you have to have a Jewish name? It says somewhere you have to have a Jewish name? It's one of the mitzvahs in the Torah? No. It says in Shulchan Aruch you have to have a Jewish name? No. Where does it say you have to have a Jewish name? Oh, it's a Yiddish Shazach. Come on. So, who, who decided it's a Yiddish Shazach? Really? Does your um, question... When you buy, you eat Cheerios, doesn't have a Yiddish name. It's not called Essen. So how could you eat it for breakfast? It doesn't have a Jewish name. The answer is, there's no halacha that your cereal, your breakfast cereal has to have a Jewish name. So why do you have to have a Jewish name? No, it, it doesn't sound right. It's, 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 who decided that? Where do you get that from? But Chazal say, because the Jewish people didn't change your name. There was Zoycha to leave Mitzrayim. And they didn't change your language. Who cares they didn't change your language? Hey, this shir is in English now. Is that a problem? You speak in English. When was the last time you spoke in Lashon HaKodesh? 
So why all of a sudden are we picking up on these, I would call it small inyanim, that don't seem to be based not in Torah. It says in the Gemara you have to have a Jewish name. It's, it doesn't say in the Chumash, doesn't say in the Nevi'im, doesn't say in the Ksuvim, doesn't say in Sifra, doesn't say in Mechilta, not in Bavli, and not in Yushami. So what's the big deal? They didn't change their name. Who cares they didn't change their name? I mean, what kind of car do you drive? You drive uh, a car? Um, uh, I go, my, what, what kind of car do you drive? I drive a Gavaldiga car. Yeah, yeah, what brand name? No, I can't say. I can't say the brand name of my car. It's not a Jewish name. It's Japanese. So if your car's name doesn't have to be Jewish, and your cereal doesn't have to be Jewish, where do you get that your name has to be Jewish? By the way, in Vayikra Rabbah, and I'm sorry, this sounds, uh, maybe this doesn't sound like we're towing the party line over here, but what basis is there that you have to have a Jewish name? In fact, Rav Moshe Feinstein, has a tshuva, and he wonders that Chazal praised Kali so that they didn't change their name. So Rav Moshe, who says you have to have a Jewish name? Why can't you be called, I don't know what, call yourself Tony, Jeff, uh, Kevin, and be Mekayim all 613 mitzvahs, and the whole Shulchan Aruch, and every Sivkatan in the Mishnah Bura, and you're good to go. Says Rav Moshe, there's Taka, no Indian, to have a Jewish name. Aye, so why were Klai Yisrael praised? That's because the Torah wasn't given yet. And there was no distinguishing characteristic of being a Yid. Because they didn't have bris mila. They were Mavato bris. And many of them served Avodah Zarah. So the only thing that distinguished them in the time of the Gula was that they had a Jewish language and a Jewish name. And the only ones who did bris mila were Shevet Levi, like it says of Rizchai and Syro. So therefore, Chazal identify that the distinguishing quality of the Jewish people before the Geula was Shalashinu es Shemam, Shalashinu es Lashainam. By the way, there's a psikta that says, um, the Dalad Lashainus of Geula are Keneged for Zechusim Shalashinu es Lashainam, Velaychilfu es Simlaysam, Vegilu es Soidam. So, in other words, if you want to know, is there an Indian to wear a stramel? Avada! Before the Torah was given, there was a very big Indian to have Yiddish Shabbatim. Now is there an Indian to have Yiddish Shabbatim? Ramesha says no. Dress like a human being. You dress with sneos, you dress with dignity, but to have Jewish clothing? No Indian, Ramesha holds. Now I know, I, un- I could understand that having a Jewish name is a certain hecker. I'm just dramatizing the point that there is no mitzvah in the Torah. There is no mitzvah derabanan. It's not a halacha in the Dalet Chalke Shulchan Aruch not to have a Jewish name, not to have Jewish clothing, and not to speak Lashon HaKodesh. Rav Moshe says all of these inyanim were important before the Torah was given. And that's why they were makbed. Says Rav Moshe, Achar Matan Torah, Ein Lanuchi Medina, Vegam Loi Meinyane Zehiros. It's not even better to have a Jewish name. Not only that, Umusr, it's not, you're not violating anything. All you need to worry about is go to work and don't take home paper clips. And don't make long distance calls on the boss's cheshbon. Don't steal money. 
And don't speak Lashon Hara. And don't take a phone into the shul. And don't speak by Chazar Sashatz. You worry about the Shulchan Aruch. And don't be Mesiach Das from your tefillin by checking your phone. That's what you have to worry about. Having a Jewish name, says Ramosha, is not a Doi Raisa, is not a Drabanon, is not a... So here you have a guy, he, he, you call him uh, Yankul Beryl Fivel. he has 50 Jewish names, but he's talking by Chazar Sashatz. So the guy is mixed up, Shein Kamoyu. He's Mavatil Halachas and Shulchan Aruch, and he's Mekayim in Yonim that are not in Yonim. Again, sorry, I'm really getting going here. But I'm dramatizing the point. The point is, Rav Moshe says, the Indian of Jewish names, the Indian of Jewish language, the Indian of Jewish clothing was before the Torah was given. So now this begs the question, Rabbi Sai. If the whole Indian of a Jewish name was before the Torah was given, but once we have mitzvahs, once we have Torah mitzvahs, it's not that important, so then why was it ever important? How could you say that nowadays it was, it's not important? And back in the day, since we didn't have Torah mitzvahs, that was the reason we went out of Mitzrayim. And it's such an important reason, it's on par with, they didn't speak Lashon Hara, and they guarded the bris, and... They were not parots varayas. I mean, Rav Moshe holds it's not even an Indian bismanazah. So that was the zechus of the geula. So I'm going to try something uh, very uh, innovative. Usually, you learn something which seems to be pashut. You have a kasha on it, and you need to come on to perhaps. Machshava or Divrei Kabbalah to understand Dvarim Pshutim. I want to reverse the order today. I want to take something which is um, Divrei Kabbalah. We had a kasha on it. What exactly is this point of no return? Is there a point of no return? Could somebody fall so low that they're at a point of no return? And I want to use Dvarim Pshutim to explain it. The Rambam in Hilchus Avedezarah traces and records the development of Avedezarah. The Rambam says in the times of Enoish, people made a very great error. And that is, even Enoish himself was from the erroneous. They said, since God created such great orbs of light, and He put them in the heavens, and He honored them, and they served before Him, we need to honor them as servants of God. Just like the king wants his ministers to be respected, so God wants us to show homage, to demonstrate honor to his attendants in the heaven. And once they began to attribute some kavod to the sun, to the moon, after all, they said, wow. The sun is so powerful, the sun loses more energy in one split second than all the energy that man ever created in the entire planet Earth since, since the moment of creation. So they began to worship the sun, and then they began to worship the sun as its own inherent entity. So, they began to serve it, they began to bow down to it, as a way of gaining favor with the Almighty. And they began to make 
houses of worship for the orbs of the heavens. And then the Rambam says, and after a long time passed in Halacha Beis, false prophets arose and they said, God commanded to serve a certain star or all the stars and they began to bring karbonos and bring libations and they built palaces and they made images and they made icons and then they began to forget about the Almighty entirely until the entire world began to serve the bodies of the heaven and after after some time the name of the Almighty became completely forgotten and no one recognized Him. And everyone was not understanding, not recognizing the Almighty. However, there arose, and this is how the world developed until the pillar of the world stood up, namely Avraham Avinu. And when Avraham Avinu was weaned, he began to probe, he began to think day and night, and he wondered, who's turning the sun? Who's powering the sun? What's the energy of the sun? I mean, I put in batteries in my Bluetooth over here for the shear, and after 10 minutes the batteries are done, because uh, how much energy could the battery fuel already? And yet the sun is burning, 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 nuclear energy. Um, heat, power, and it never wanes. And who's fueling it? And who's spinning the earth? And who's moving the galaxies? And Amravinu was wondering, and nobody could teach him because he was growing up among Abedazara. And even his own father and mother were idol worshippers. And Amravinu was investigating and searching, well, if there's a world, where's the Creator? And Amravinu recognized that everyone was, a, was mistaken. And the reason why they were mistaken was all the icons they made. And when Amravinu was convinced and certain of his convictions, he went around breaking the idols and the icons and the statues. And he promulgated that we, only could, we should only serve one God and worship Him and offer to Him and bring libations to Him. And we have to break all the icons. And when the king saw this, he wanted to kill Amravinu. And a miracle happened. Avram Avinu escaped to Haran and he began to teach the world. And he gathered a very large contingency and many, many followers. And Avram Avinu was successful in producing thousands and tens of thousands of loyal students. And this is Anshe Base Avraham, says the Rambam. You ready for this? Vishasal Belibam Ha'ikr Hagadal Azeh Avraham planted in the hearts of his children and his students this great principle that there's a Creator who's all-knowing and all-powerful. And he taught it to Yitzchak. And Yitzchak taught it to Yaakov. And Yitzchak promulgated it to the world. And Yaakov taught it to his children. And he designated Levi to be the Rosh Yeshiva and to command his children to guard, be the guardian of the family tradition. And this ideology became so strong that this base Avraham 
became an Uma Shalema until the Jewish people went down to Egypt and they began to learn the ways of the Egyptians, except for Shevet Levi. Says the Rambam, I want you to see these words. Look where my icon is. Four lines at the end of the Rambam. Vikimat cut. And if it would have been just a little bit more. Then the planting that Abraham would have planted would have been uprooted. And the Bnei Yaakov would have been mistaken. And they would have lived in error. And they would have gone off. Because had we remained in Egypt a moment longer, listen carefully to the words of the Rambam. The Rambam does not say we would have fallen to the point of no return. I would argue there is no point of no return. The gates of Tshuva are never locked. You know what Chazal mean when they say that we would have fallen beyond repair? Listen carefully. Avraham Avinu implanted and grained within the DNA of his students and his children a certain recognition and belief and hakara of the Creator. And if we would have remained in Egypt a moment longer, the planting that Avraham Avinu would have planted within our spiritual DNA would have been lost forever. Yes. Could somebody have recognized Hashem from anew, the way Avraham did? I would argue, yes. Could we have done tshuva and come back to Hashem? Yes. But we would have severed the connection to Avraham Avinu. The planting that Avraham planted in our souls would have been lost forever. And maybe there would have been a new nation. And there would have been a new Am. And we would have been maminim on our own. And we would have come to Hashem and we would have said, Zekeli v'anveyu. But we never would have been able to say, Ve'loikei avi v'aroi mimenu. We could never say in the Shemayin Esrei, Eloikeinu ve'loikei avoyseinu eloikei avraham. It would be Eloikeinu. So the purpose of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, I would argue, was not to take us out of Mitzrayim. Because sooner or later we would have gotten out. The purpose of taking us out of Mitzrayim was to preserve the Kesher to Avraham Avinu. So that, the pla- so that when we stand before God, we say, we don't only believe you in you because Zakeli, but you're also a Lekeavi. You know, there's only one mitzvah in the Torah that has to come from father to son. There's, nowhere does it say you must tell your kid how to put on tefillin. If your kid wants to open up the Shulchan Aruch and, and learn the halachas and put on tefillin, so fine, he could do it. Maybe you're responsible to make sure he does it, but you don't have to be the one to tell it to him. It doesn't say that you have to tell him how to put on tefillin. And it doesn't say you have to tell him how to put on tzitzis. Or you have to tell him how to do any mitzvah. You're responsible to make sure it gets done. So you could hire a rebbe. You could make sure he learns it. But the events of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, there is a halachic requirement, a biblical obligation. V'higadeta lebincha 
The events of the Exodus, you gotta tell your kid. You can't make sure that they know it. You have to tell it to them. Why? Why is that? Perhaps it's because the celebration of Exodus is not celebration we got out because we were going to get out. If not then, then maybe another tzaddik would have come along, maybe a Rabbi Akiva would have come along, maybe some other great leader would come along, maybe they would have taken us out. But if they would have taken us out at any other time, we would have been a different people. We would not be B'nai Avraham Yitzhak V'Yakov. We would have, that connection would have been dissipated completely. So therefore the celebration of Yitzhak Mitzrayim is that we could trace back our heritage to our Avos HaKedoshim. Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov. And therefore the din of Sipor Yitzhak Mitzrayim is Davkov, he got it to Labincha. You got to tell your kid. Because not about what happened, it's what, about what was preserved. It's interesting. <laughs> this would be a case where we're trying to suggest that the point of no return to which Arizal writes is not, doesn't mean a point of no return where we fall into the spiritual abyss and then we could never expect any opportunity for Aliyah or a connection to Hashem. No, perhaps we could have still had the opportunity to be connected to Hashem. But what have been gone forever is the, the, the connection to Avram Avinu would have been severed forever. And if that's the case, maybe we could argue that that is why it was so important for the Jewish people to have a Jewish name and to have Jewish clothing and to use the Jewish language, which again, are not not dinei da'iraisa, not dinei drabana, not halachos, not even begeder minhag. Ramosha says it's not even minhag Yisrael to have a Jewish name. If someone doesn't have a Jewish name, Ramosha says, you're not even violating a minhag. But Jewish practice it is. And maybe in general, Jewish practice is not minha karim. However, to get out of Egypt, it was very important. Why? Because the purpose of getting out of Egypt then was to preserve the heritage we had from Avram, Yitzhak and Yaakov. So there needed to be something to preserve. There needed to be some vestige of Kesher to the Doirois Rishonim. And without Torah, without mitzvahs, the only way Klaus were able to display a certain Kesher to the Doirois Rishonim is through things that, yes, maybe they're not Midoirois, they're not Midrabana. And where does it say it? Maybe it doesn't say it anywhere. But in this particular limited context, they loomed very large. And maybe that's the reason why, you know, people have customs on Pesach that, you know, sometimes in a moment of frivolity, people mock. Some people, they don't drink Coca-Cola on Pesach. Rabbi why don't you drink Coca-Cola on Pesach? Because the Elta Zayda didn't drink Coca-Cola. 
his pal. The reason your Elta Zayda didn't drink Coca-Cola is because in the Altaheim they would not they did not invent Coca-Cola. I guarantee you, if they had Coca-Cola in the Altaheim, they would not have been drinking mud water from the well, they would have been drinking Coca-Cola. And sometimes we say, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And they're taka, they're good questions. But maybe, just maybe, in the context of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Pesach, even though it doesn't say it in the Chumash, and it doesn't say it in the Gemara, but if you think about what the, what the celebration of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim is, it's celebrating a Kesher to the Avais, then maybe certain things that the rest of the year or any other time, Taka, are not important and are not significant and we shouldn't emphasize and we shouldn't focus on. But at this time, when we're celebrating a certain Hemshech these type of things maybe are important in this context. And that's why more than any other time of the year, the, the realm of Minog Yisrael perhaps looms larger in the times of Pesach than any other time. There's a really a wondrous Meshachachma that I want to share with you. Meshachachma comments on the Rebbeinu Shalom communicating with Yaakov Avinu in the nighttime. Nowhere do we find that Hashem spoke to Abraham Balayla. Nowhere do we find Hashem spoke to Yitzchak Balayla, but to Yaakov Halayla. And the Meshachachma observes that this is not uh, encounter not by Abraham and not by Yitzchak. Why Dafka by Yaakov? And that is because Yaakov is about to leave Eretz Yisrael. He's about to go down to Mitzrayim. So Hashem comes to him at night to say, I know Yaakov you're afraid to go to the diaspora because I only speak with you in Eretz Yisrael and not, I don't speak with you in Chutz Aretz. However, you should know, just like I'm coming to you at night, in the darkness, I will come to you in Egypt, in the darkness of Gullus. Because, like the Chazal tell us, Golu lebavel Avraham was masakin shachris. Yitzchak was masakin mincha. But once Avraham and Yitzchak established a connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the Yoim, Yaakov was able to Continue it, Balayla. Because Mariv is the burning of the fats in the limbs that were brought, Bain Biyoim, Bain Balayla. Once you're Makriv the carbon Biyoim, you could burn the fats, Balayla. Likewise, once HaKadosh Baruch Hu establishes a relationship with you in Eretz Yisrael, God will continue to speak to you in Chutzaretz. So if the carbon was Nishchat, Shechted, v'nizrak, and the blood was sprinkled b'yoyim. So then, you're allowed to burn the Avarim and p'darim in the layla. Therefore, we always daven in the galos, Yancha Hashem b'yoyim tzara, Yisagevcha Hashem aleike Yaakov. Where Hashem appeared to Yaakov in the, in the layla, so Hashem will bail us out in the galos. In other words, when you start something off at the right time, it could continue both into the night time, and if you start off in the Eretz Yisrael, it could continue in the Galas. Says in Eshachachma, this is a Musar Haskel. And that is, that when we follow the pathways of our forefathers, then we are a powerful nation. You know why? 
because Hashem appeared to our forefathers when the Beis HaMikdash stood in full glory. So, so long as we're connected with them, the Shekhinah will follow us into the Golos, even Belayla. When we're connected to the Avais, who had a connection with Hashem, Biyayim, the Yibam Hashem will remain connected with us, Belayla. But when we forget about Avaisenu, when we forget about Darach Yisrael Saba, says the Meshachachma, then the Yibam Hashem says, I can't establish a new relationship with you in the Galas. Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky was so overcome, was so stirred by these words of the Meshachachma, that when he heard them, he commented that he has no doubt that the Meshachachma said these words, Baruch HaKodesh. So what we're learning is that Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, more than a celebration of freedom, because perhaps we would have be freed by hook or by crook, some way, somehow, was celebrating the preservation of the connection to Avram Avinu. This gives us insight into why we say the Yom Tif of Pesach is Keneged Avraham. Because basically what happened on Pesach was we preserved the planting of Amuna that Avram Avinu planted in Eklal Yisrael. The Rambam uses a Lashon that Avram Avinu was Shasal into Eklal Yisrael. Ha'ikar Hagadal Hazah. However, when we went down to Mitzrayim, Kemat Kot, had we remained there a little longer, this would have been uprooted. And through Yitzhak Mitzrayim, this was able to be preserved. And therefore, in this context, certain types of practices, Shalashinu es Lashainam, Shalashinu es Shemam, Shalashinu es Malbusham, they loomed large. Therefore, the Gemara in Chulin, you know, the Gemara in Chulin tells us, Rashi quotes in the beginning of Vayetze, that Yaakov Avinu, he went from Beersheba, he passed by the Makar Mamikdash, he went to Basel. And then all of a sudden he said, Efshar avarti amakam shespalu avoysai vaniloi hispalalti. So, Rabbi Ruchamoshin, Zalgazunsain, Roshiva Vlekwood brings from a blade boxed. When Yaakov Avinu passed by the Makam Mikdash, why did he say, Oy vai, I passed by and I didn't daven? Did he say, How could it be I didn't daven there? It's the Shar HaShamayim. How could I be I didn't daven there? It's the place in the world where tefillah is most accepted. How could it be that I didn't daven there? But what argument? How did Yaakov indict himself when he when he said, "How could it be I passed by?" What loomed the largest in the eyes of Yaakovinu was, How could it be that I that I passed by the place where my forefathers davened and I didn't daven? Why, of all things, did that bother Avinu the most? Did that bother, excuse me, Yaakov Avinu the most? Says Rabbi Baxt, Yaakov Avinu was going into the Galas. He knew the idea. God is only with you in the Galas if the relationship was established in Eretz Yisrael. Yaakov knew because HaKadosh Baruch Hu was with his fathers 
in Eretz Yisrael, he will continue to be with him in Chutzars. But that is only so long as that he's connected to his forefathers. But as soon as Yaakov Inu becomes, so to speak, an island unto himself, and he severs that connection, then his status in Golos is in jeopardy. So again, are these in Yanim, Min Ha'ikarim, Maybe not relative to Tyro Mitzvahs, but in this context, in the context of remaining connected to Darach Yisrael Saba, then this is what we got. And therefore in this merit, we were Zoycha, that Hashem should take us out before the Shesila, Shashasal Avinu was Ne'ekar. Okay, my Rabbi Isai, thank you for listening. What we're learning is, the point of no return is there's a point of no return, not in Ruchnias, point of no return in terms of a kesher to the earlier Dairais. Have a wonderful day, Rabbi Isai. Brach yeah, I have a question. Yeah. yeah. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.